Welcome to The Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and my guest today is Rhonda Finney. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you so much for having me. Rhonda, thanks for appearing on the program. And today we're going to talk about something that's a little mysterious, I think, for a lot of physicians, certainly physicians my age, and that's the role of uh, non-physician providers. You know, we're all familiar with the RN, and when I grew up, there were nurses and there were doctors, but now there's this whole other category, sometimes referred to as uh, mid-levels, um, and I don't know if that's a politically correct term or not. You can uh, correct me. But there was an article published recently in JAMA Neurology by a nurse and by a physician about the role of uh, nurse, uh, let's call them advanced practice clinicians. I think that's the proper term, right? APN, advanced practice in neurology. I'm a neurologist and you work in neurology. So first, tell us what your training is and what you do in neurology, and then we'll get into the philosophy of the question. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Um, I have uh, been in neurosurgery actually uh, since 2004, and and I spent about two years on the acute stroke side as well uh, in in uh, acute stroke treatment with the neurologist who were on staff at our facility. And um, so I've been an RN since 2000 and uh, since 2002. I started in neurosurgery in 2004. Um, I was always a big person uh, who uh, believed that certification was very important and that was a way to standardize our uh, education and our onboarding. And so I did that. Um, I was a CNOR because I assisted in surgery. So I've seen a lot of traumatic brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, worked with, closely with neurology for many years. And one of my colleagues um, moved over from the neurosurgery practice and became the stroke nurse coordinator. And there was a, a role for an advanced practice uh, clinician uh, in that service. Um, it really did help expedite uh, the treatment of those patients. It really did help divide the work and um, provide a shared responsibility for those patients. And so for I did For stroke that. patients. For stroke patients, yes. Yeah, for acute stroke patients. Um, I completed a fellowship in, uh, in, in stroke uh, through NetSmart because I knew that when I went to neurology, I did not have uh, the needed skills and knowledge that I needed to really provide a good evidence base for my practice. I needed to be able to explain it and I needed to understand it in order to apply it. And if you depend on on-the-job training, that can be very... Um, uh, very haphazard in, in some sense. Uh, you're very tied to the local practices. You're not as, you may or may not be as tied to really where the evidence is in terms of how you're gonna make decisions or how you're gonna advocate for decisions. And so um, I completed that fellowship. I sat for the ANVP board exam, which is the uh, Advanced Neurovascular Practitioner Board Exam through the Association of Neurovascular Clinicians. And uh, past that exam, it was, it was a challenging exam, I will tell you that. And so I was very proud to pass that. 
but my original population board certification is adult gerontology acute care. And I think that's where physicians get a little bit um, uh, confused in terms of how we're boarded and, and what populations we can really take care of. I think that creates an initial confusion as well. Um, but all the letters that, are, that you see behind my name are really my entire career and that, those letters. <laughs> and um, so I'm also certified as an advanced stroke coordinator. I wanted to be able to help teach that class and in order to help teach, teach something, you need to be certified in it. And so um, I'm a really big proponent of postgraduate education. I think that really is the way that we can um, validate knowledge and, and we need organizations that can help us do that. And, um, and ANBC is one of those. Well, certainly, and this was the thrust of the article, uh, there are not enough neurologists to care for all the people who need neurology care. And uh, this situation is only gonna get worse and probably is worse as of today with the new approval for the Alzheimer drug. A lot of people who are staying at home, well, I have Alzheimer's, nothing really can do about it. Now it's like, well, either they or their family is gonna drag them to the neurologist. So the demands on neurologists is always increasing and having trained uh, people who can assist in the care of these patients sounds like a great thing. Um, so what is it that you do uh, here in Memphis? We have pretty sophisticated uh, stroke program. Are you involved with that? Um, I went, uh, I've recently gone back to neurosurgery and we have an excellent acute stroke nurse practitioner who has come on board um, in the last couple of years. And she is actually going through the same fellowship that I went through because it is, it, there is a really big, learning curve initially in neurology, as, as you know, they are the most complicated patients, I think, in medicine. <laughs> um, and so, so just to have someone specialize in that particular um, aspect of care and to help the neurologist in, in that aspect, I think is helpful. And then it unburdens the physician from having to really spend a lot of time onboarding them. You know that you've got a good evidence base, you know you know how to interpret film, uh, and imaging and that kind of thing. So uh, we have an excellent nurse practitioner right now in stroke and she and I work very closely together on a daily basis uh, to take care of our neuroscience patients. So give me an example. You said you're in neurosurgery. What would your day be like as a advanced practitioner? So uh, my, I work with five neurosurgeons uh, where I work. And uh, I'm in, I really am responsible for the ICU patients uh, at consults um, and the ED consults. So I will, my, my day will, will start out in the ICU. We have, we have five ICUs and now we've just recently uh, created a neuro ICU of 16 beds. So I have quite a few patients there. So my job is really to, um, to really look out for the intensive care uh, part of the neurosurgery patient. All the, in coordinating, talking to everyone uh, in terms of the intensivist, uh, neurology, if cardio, cardiology is consulted, uh, nephrology, and really looking at all the other things that may not necessarily be surgical, um, but certainly I can definitely evaluate a surgical patient. I did that yesterday, um, as a matter of fact. Um, evaluated an ER patient uh, that patient had a, a you know a large subdural. We sent that patient to the to the OR after we had to give them case intra because they were on anticoagulant. 
So, mm. so that is a role that is really uh, specific. The neurosurgeons actually created that role for me. That was not a role that was uh, created by administration. Uh, that was a role that they said, we want you to do this. And, uh, and that's, what, that's what I do. There's a lot of collaboration, a lot of talking uh, between the neurosurgeons um, and I. But again, it, it's a lot of collaboration with, with many different specialties in order to get our patients taken care of. So all this sounds fine, sounds pretty straightforward. So uh, why is there a problem? What, what's the problem? I think, I think, I think there's, there are several issues in terms of incorporating or integrating advanced practice uh, clinicians uh, into, into neuroscience, whether it's strictly neurology or just neuroscience in general. And I think one of them, the authors pointed out very well in this article, is the lack, lack of exposure to neurology and neurological conditions. How do you work them up? How do you do a good exam? Uh, first of all. And, um, and so the ability to really, the first person who says this person has clonus, this person has Hoffman's, lumbar spine is not their problem. You know, that's, a, that's an important thing to, to be able to assess. Um, uh, and the stroke patient, I can't localize this stroke, this may be hypertensive encephalopathy. You know, and just knowing how those little bits of information really do help um, our physicians uh, really kind of cut to uh, a, a definitive diagnosis and can help with that workup. So I think part of it is just the lack of exposure to neurology has really, um, uh, really created a problem in ongoing and, and creating really orientation um, uh, focused um, uh, programs uh, for them. The, I think one of the other things too is, is expectations. Um, the, you know, the expectation on the part of the physician, the expectation on the part of the advanced practice clinician, and the expectation on the part of the organization uh, in terms of the outcomes, measures um, that they want them to uh, be able to uh, really, um, really uh, quantify and, and be able to achieve. And so, um, so I think it's multi. I think it's multi-pronged uh, problem. And the authors really did a good job of saying, you know, there we can't point out these problems without solutions. And and one of the solutions is is to create pr good expectations of what we want you to do. Um, are you educated and boarded to do that? What other education do you need? And be supportive um, as they go through that transition period. Right. So I was very surprised when I was writing, reading the article that there were well over a thousand, I think it was 14 or 1500 advanced practice clinicians who were members of the American Academy of Neurology. So I didn't realize that, you know, this was such a, uh, a big deal. And obviously that number is, uh, is growing is my, my impression. Uh, you know, neurology training is uh, long and complicated and you know, it's taken me about 40 years to get to the point where I'm pretty confident in my neurologic exam. So I think, I think some neurologists are a little reluctant to accept somebody who doesn't have the extensive training, you know, in terms of doing an initial evaluation on a patient. So I, that was some of, I think, the resistance I saw in the letters to the editor 
that uh, you guys were concerned about. So I think properly defining the roles is key, as well as the supplementary training, like the training that you've had in stroke, you know, so that you and uh, on the job training, you know, there's no no substitute for that. But it's not too helpful if you don't have the fundamental training uh, to complement it. I think I think it's clear that that both are necessary. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think that when, when certainly when I was uh, completing my stroke fellowship, I think that it, un, it really did unburden the neurologist. So all of a sudden we could actually have a conversation and, and we were very clear with, with really everyone. I'm not there to replace the physician. I'm there to help augment, to help make things um, more streamlined. And in, in some sense, to really alert them to things that maybe they wouldn't think about. There's a lot of psychosocial uh, issues with, you know, compliance with medications, as an example, um, that maybe we can identify because of our nursing background and, and just the different way that we might look at patients or the different experiences we've had um, in our work at the bedside. So I think that I think it's a collaborative effort. Um, that we that we need. I think things are being much more interdisciplinary. Many more societies are much more inclusive of advanced practice uh, clinicians. Um, you know, just because of the the complexity of our patients and really um, the complexity of their situations. Um, neurologic disease is is really um, uh, can create a lot of psychosocial, uh, economic issues. And so helping, having someone help you sort that out can be helpful as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we see that every day at uh, Regional One Health, where uh, I'm division director of neurology, is, you know, we have these complex uh, treatment plans, uh, only to learn that the patient is homeless. <laughs> so they, they don't even have a place to put their little, you know, medicine bottle. I mean, and so to expect them to take it every day when they don't have a place to sleep you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it, it's a stretch. Well, you know, I think one easy fix, uh, and I hope, I hope the dean is, is watching this program because I think one easy fix is to improve the exposure uh, of students to neurology. And this is also true in medicine, that uh, a lot of general practitioners and internists have had really minimal exposure to neurology in their training. Uh, you know, because they're learning about the heart and the lung, the kidneys and all the other parts. But somehow in neurology, it, it's a little harder to get into and it's a big black box. And so it's often kind of, I don't even think it's required, you know, as a, as a rotation. So uh, it's probably true for, as you point out, for nurses uh, as well. So uh, it wouldn't be that hard to, to drag more students onto the service, at least during their training. And then they can see it's like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Or, oh, wow, I don't want to have anything to do with that, you know, so that they at least have some firsthand exposure about what it's all about. I think I think that might help uh, increase the ranks a little bit and get people who are really interested in the brain and spinal cord and helping people with uh, neurologic disorders. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's a great idea. And I think in many of the uh, certainly many of the professional uh, schools, medical school, a nurse practitioner school, they're doing a lot more interdisciplinary um, education as well, which gives them exposure to different, uh, to different roles. You know, if we look at pharmacy, for example, you know, when I was in high school, I worked at a pharmacy and they counted pills. 
pharmacists do much more than count pills these days. <laughs> and so as, you know, as they have, as we evolve in terms of um, how to take care of patients, how to really do a quality job in, in terms of uh, good outcomes, I think, I think really utilizing everyone's uh, expertise and really letting them rise to the level of their education is, is really critical to all of that. I am so fortunate that I work with all kinds of physicians and nurses, nurse practitioners who really understand that and, and are not threatened by that. And, and I think that is really key to that is that you, you know what your role is and you know what you bring to the table and that you work together for the good of that patient and that family. And I think that's really a critical piece of that. Yeah, I'm all for it, particularly since there are definitely uh, more patients uh, to go around and <laughs> there are people to take care of them. I think anybody that wants to get involved and is trained and can be helpful, uh, you know, please, please join the fray. So, uh, Rhonda, this has been great, very enlightening for me about the role of advanced practice clinicians. And I hope to see you uh, in the hallways. Uh, I'm sure we'll both be moving fast because there's a, a lot of places to be. Um, thank you very much for uh, joining me on the Art of Medicine. Thank you so much for having me. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on the art of medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The art of medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe www.andrewwilner.com.